Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It's the 7th of February 2023, the first Tuesday of the month. You know what that means. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the macro, the markets, and everything in between. I'm Nadine Blaney here with David Scott. Scotty, 25 basis points from a decidedly hawkish RBA. What do you make of it? Yeah, the uh, the final paragraph, uh, we say it time and again, is often where you're going to get the most information about what the outlook looks like when it comes to interest rate settings. Gone is the cuteness. Uh, the, uh, the board was tinkering away with things uh, back in December, saying it's not on a predefined course. Uh, dropping all that language is saying that it's likely the interest rates will have to increase further in the months ahead. And so the fact that it's plural uh, tells me that there's going to be more than one. So it really seems like the uh, that inflation report that was released in late January has, uh, has spooked the RBA into uh, some action, which probably a lot of people are thinking is a little bit belatedly. Yeah, I noted that as well. So previously, that preset course not being on one, talking about being determined by the incoming data and the board's assessment of the outlook for inflation in the labor market. Well, this time it was inflation, inflation, inflation. Those interest rates needed, this is a quote, over the months ahead to ensure that inflation returns to target and that this period of high inflation is only temporary. Uh, you, of course, paying attention to developments in the global economy, trends in household spending, and the outlook for inflation. And then the final line, resolute in its determination to return inflation to target and to do what's necessary to achieve that. Now, Scotty, arguably, not everybody out there in the broader community does read these statements in as much detail as you and I do and many market participants do. However, there's long been this notion that the RBA wants to sort of talk tough to talk people down to talk people away from getting it in their heads you know the so-called inflation psychology that inflation is here to stay so it really feels to me that this time more than ever they've uh you know they've just they're trying to hammer it home perhaps do some of the heavy list lifting for themselves later on in just declaring war on inflation this is whites of the eye kind of talk it is. It's a real turn up as well. It's it's completely stark to what we saw only a couple of months ago. And from a more broader global perspective, I wouldn't put it past actually thinking that this is going to be something that a lot of other central banks will be watching pretty closely. If you think back to October when uh, the RBA decided to go and step down to 25 basis point increments, that really kickstart this, uh, this rally that we've seen over the past few months. It was that particular event. The other uh, ASX went and gapped high and finished more than 2% up. And uh, I think that uh, the fact that the RBA is suddenly talking really tough about inflation right now, uh, acknowledging that things are still looking pretty good. When you think about the rest of the world, things are starting to look pretty good as well when it comes to the likes of uh, China, Europe and the like. I just wonder whether there's maybe a broader message that we might go and see central banks singing from the same hymn book again 
about uh, declaring early victory against inflation because it really was a big, big hawkish pivot today from the RBA and uh, one that very few people were actually expecting. Yeah, I think I think it was when I was listening to you speaking with Steve Sosnick. Gosh, it feels like a long time ago now. Or maybe it was a note I was reading from him. He was basically saying that the reason why perhaps Jay Powell wasn't so hawkish Thursday morning our time was because he had an inkling, so to speak, of what that job status might be uh, coming through on Friday. So doing a lot of the heavy lifting for him. So again, that's speaking to this broader narrative that, you know, equity markets have been in this holding pattern. Um, you know, there was a pretty lackluster session overnight waiting. Like, we want to know what he's going to say, what color he will put on that commentary. Will it be a hawkish Jay Powell when he speaks Wednesday or not? Um, you know, we're back to reading the tea leaves in every single syllable, uh, you know, that, that these these global central bankers are saying. Um, look, thought on that, thought on Powell, whether he'll be hawkish or dovish or just... Uh, you know, uh, try to strike some balance there. Yeah, it's uh, be, it'd take a lot, I think, for Powell to go and really become uh, no, a big about face and what he said only on on Wednesday last week. But uh, certainly that fresh information that came down does go and make the, the point that labour market conditions, as the RBA pointed out today, are very, very tight in all these developed economies. And it doesn't take much to go and see wage pressure start to stir if economic activity uh, picks up. So it'd be interesting to see. I don't expect he's going to go and, and walk it back as some people expect. Uh, but yeah, just a reminder that uh, that things are not completely you know done and dusted when it comes to inflationary pressures right now. Just just keeping on the RBA for one more minute. Uh, the one thing that I'm starting to get concerned about now is that it's getting hawkish at exactly the wrong time of this heightening cycle. I know that the other uh, inflation data that came out was much stronger than expected. But uh, it did point out in the, uh, the statement today that there are some households that are struggling mm-hmm. relative to others from these interest rate increases. And you do not want to go and test you know, those really vulnerable households. It doesn't take a great proportion to fall into trouble for things to start snowballing. And that's what I just hope the RBA is very careful trading from here. We have got a lot of uh, fixed rate expirers coming up. We've got a lot of heavily indebted households around the country. You do not want to go and try and break that because that could break the economy with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Got it. And uh, if we talk about equity market reaction to it, it was pretty swift and, you know, relatively severe. You know, we went into that decision in positive territory up by about a tenth of a percent, 7,548. And come on, computer, just looking at where we finished off, down by about half of 1%. So we have broken... Uh, you know, broken down in the wake of that, we've now sitting and ending the day just above that 7,500 level, uh, 7,504 to be exact. And if we take a look at some of the sector breakdown, I mean, the A REITs, one of the worst performers, no big surprise there. Interest rates are rising. Debt is more expensive to service. A consumer discretionary was down by one and a quarter percent. Infotech off by half of 1%. The only sector that was in positive territory today was the energy space after we did see global oil prices rallying. And if you'll indulge me for just a moment, I thought it was really interesting as well. It's been, I haven't actually done the control F on the the past few statements, but we haven't had the RBA explicitly mention China for quite some time. Um, You know, talking about the global economy, saying that, uh, you know, we are sort of seeing, um, you know, some of the supply chain problems, uh, you know, responding, lower energy prices, inflation moderating. But 
no sort of acknowledgement or any context around the fact that we've got China reopening, you know, and, and the demand that's coming from there and the potential potential impact on, uh, you know, not just inflation, but really uh, Australia's fortune specifically. Um, do you think that's an, uh, a failure? Uh, look, we'll wait to see what the minutes going to contain. That'll be a more broader conversation. I'm sure that they'll mention China in that. The one thing I found really bemusing, though, is that after all these rate increases, they swapped those China concerns out for all the uh, the lagged effect from monetary policy tightening that's taken place already uh, as being the other thing they're now going to be concerned about, along with household uh, consumption moving forward. Uh, so, yeah, they just they seem to swap one out for the other to try and maybe keep the, the, the balance of the statement a little bit less hawkish than what it was. But I think anyone who would have been reading that from the board, anyone who's a market economist would have known how the markets would have reacted and uh, they did exactly what you'd expect. Mm, okay, so uh, look, uh, on that, let's talk about some stock specifics. Um, we did have some heavy selling coming through in... Um, ARB, ARB Corp. So yesterday came out with its update talking about inflationary pressures, talking about, you know, slowing sales as well. And we had the brokers out and uh, yet share price was down by 11 and a half percent today. Centuria Capital, again, it's in that uh, that property space. It's uh, off by 5.8 percent to end the day. On the flip side, guess what performed? Coal, New Hope, up by 3.3 percent. Magellan did well. Beach Energy, Link Administration, as well. What did you notice in any of those particular stock moves today, Scotty? Uh, I think we should talk about Newix because it's had so much bad mm -hmm. press and uh, it finally had a win, albeit <laughs> yeah. against its former chief executive and uh, up 44% in a day. Uh, I, I dare say that probably a few short sellers are uh, no, absolutely been cindered to a crisp on the back of that uh, nasty move. But uh, yeah, they must have been betting that, uh, that someone was going to go and uh, he, the, the, old, the former chief executive would get up. But uh, clearly that was not the case. Yeah, interesting as well. Magellan did well today. So yesterday we released its funds under management and Macquarie analysts today saying that perhaps the worst may be over uh, for Australia's former, you know, blockbuster, you know, infamous now fund manager Magellan Financial Group. So yeah, interesting to see Magellan um, back up on the leaderboard for uh, in the right uh, context for the first time in quite some time. Um, now we're getting more significant earnings results and reports coming through. So Macquarie today up by close to 1%. It was the stock of the day. Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool and Daniel Ortiz Teasy from Lincoln Indicators. Let's listen in to what they had to say about this quarterly result coming from Macquarie. Very decent results given the guidance, given the circumstances they're operating in. Uh, no, nothing to scare the horses in either direction. As a long-term uh, bull on Macquarie, this is very much, it, it's a story of the people, right? This is a people business. They do a very, very good job of aligning the incentives of the team with the interests of shareholders. And as long as that remains the case, they don't take too much risk. You want to let this sort of story play out. It's been a remarkable long-term success story. At the end of the day, you know, we'll, it will trade up and down, but this is a stock, like Scott said, it's been able to redefine itself, continue its growth, um, multiple divisions, grown substantially in North America. Um, we've owned it for a long time and we continue to buy it. Fantastic business. Okay. 
And so that's a double buy. That is going to the investment committee. Forgive me. I don't even know if it's already in the portfolio. My mistake. But um, while we're on the investment committee, Scotty, I know you've been hanging out. It's been uh, on hiatus through the holiday period. Well, guess what? I'm about to press publish to the website for today's episode. Actually, I should say this month's episode of the investment committee. So you can go online and watch that tonight. It might be a super-sized version because of all the super buys that we heard in January. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, gosh. Um, Transurban was out today. Share price ended relatively flat. Its CEO will be stepping down. Satire initially had a positive reaction to its report today, but I'm just noting that it did close down by 7%, saying that it's um, looking to target profitability, not just going for growth. Uh, sounds like a uh, constant and familiar refrain we're going to get from some of these uh, former market darlings that had, had been going for growth at all costs. We'll see. We'll see how it all pans out in the wash. Um, tomorrow... We've got more results coming um, and look, plenty of analysis to go along with it as well. Uh, I hope you can join us. We'll be speaking with Suncorp CEO tomorrow. Today we spoke with uh, Mark Fleming. He's from Region Group. You can go online because obviously Kyle was asking about interest rates and the impact. They're also slowing in consumer spending. So yeah, those are the themes that we're going to be looking for from you know these companies that update. And, I, and also guidance because I note that Helios was hit particularly hard, obviously cycling some of these massive comps uh, when it comes to uh, you know, COVID testing that was going through the system up until today, but also didn't provide guidance. And uh, yeah, share price was, um, yeah, it was hit pretty hard. Yeah, or wounded, as I described it. Oh, good one. You're getting more dad jokes with every passing day, Scotty, for good reason, too. Um, now, what exactly are we hanging out for in terms of economic data now? I know that it's Jerome Powell and his speech, um, but there's nothing else sort of huge on the horizon now. I feel like we've got a lot under our belts in just the past week. No, we're just going to be listening to Fed speaker after Fed speaker. We've got uh, no, a whole raft, not just pal outs uh, no, overnight, but a uh, no, whole gambit of uh, Fed speakers. So all the different views coming through, probably seeing from roughly the same sing a hymn book. Uh, but yeah, where that goes to, I think uh, earnings season seems to have you know, diminished a little bit in the states now after those big tech titans have gone and released. So yeah, waiting for that next catalyst. One thing that I'm finding really interesting at the moment is that a lot of that uh, optimism about the China reopening, a lot of those trades that really ran hard to begin with, are all starting to go and fluctuate a little bit now and looking a bit uh, exhausted. So I wonder whether you know this markets are looking a little bit vulnerable to any bad news coming through at the moment, whether that comes from Powell or someone else. But this has that feel that we've uh, we've moved pretty pretty rapidly in yeah. one direction. Maybe a, a recalibration is required. Yeah, I had a good chat with uh, Aaron Binstead from Lazard Asset Management. That's up online. And uh, yeah, he was just talking about some of the indicators that uh, tell him that there's a bit of froth in the market, including the fact that we've got a lot of these, you know, worst performers of 2022 now outperforming to start 2023, you know, saying this doesn't really bode well for, you know, further momentum in the market and the retail participation, uh, particularly in U.S. Uh, stocks as well. Um, so that's up online. Listen, uh, obviously, a lot of the conversation was also about uh, Newmont's bid for Newcrest. Will they, won't they have to increase their offer uh, in the newsletter? If you do subscribe or via the show notes, I spoke with Sean Hickman, who is a Newcrest shareholder. He's pretty pleased, pretty pleased with uh, the goings on over the past couple of days. And he reckons uh, that Newmont will pay 
uh, like a higher price for Newcrest. So you can listen to that interview via the show notes if you're interested um, as well. Uh, Scotty, tomorrow you've got Chris Bedingfield from Key Global Asset Management. That'll be good to speak with him about rising rates. We'll be speaking with Daniel Ives from Wedbush and Kenny Polkari from Slatestone. Boy, that looks like a busy morning to me. Uh, David Sikulski from Carrara Investment Management, or Carrara Capital, I should say, will be joining us. Um, and John McBain from Centuria Capital. So we'll find out what was behind that you know, six, close to 7% drop on market today. And uh, it all goes on. So look, I'm um, looking forward to more fun, but but a lot of a lot of conversation, no doubt, about the RBA as well. Absolutely. And uh, keep a close eye out for Bed Bath & Beyond tonight. Uh, secured one billion in funding from uh, from shareholders to avert bankruptcy. I just went and had a quick look. Around about 50% of its uh, free float shares are short sold at this point in time. So grab the popcorn. That's going to be entertaining. I'm sure we'll be having a chat about that tomorrow morning as well. All right. Have a good night, Scotty. See ya. You too. Ciao. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.